Hey, did you have an imaginary friend when you were a kid? No. Did you? I think I, I have imaginary friends now. Hello, my name is Brian Doak. I'm a biblical scholar. Hi, I'm Leah Payne. I'm a historian. Together we are Weird Religion. We are, and apparently Brian has imaginary friends. That's who you're talking to in meetings all the time. Um, <laughs> look, <laughs> in the interest of, in the interest of springing something upon you, mm-hmm. I wondered if this would be okay. Please. I had somebody, a friend from high school, a listener to the show at times even, yeah. sent me a link and it was honestly one of the most brilliant and disturbing things I've read in a long time. Oh, excellent. This sounds exactly and up our alley. It is. It is. <laughs> and because it was, I wondered how you would feel if I would read it. for. It's a 23-part Twitter thread. Oh, my goodness. I'm here for it. And I wondered let's how go. you would feel if I read each part of it to you and in described voices? it. In voices? Um, let's, let's, let's see. Let's okay. see how that plays out. <laughs> it's not really a conversation and it's not, oh, I don't think okay. it's, I, I think you'll see in a minute um, that each, each, each panel here, each part of the thread could deserve a response, a, a okay. particularly a response from you. And of course, of course, in the, in the imagined three-way conversation we are having with our audience, they too can re- think how they would respond to this story, which they likely have not seen, but maybe they have. And we'll post it, of course, as always. Excellent. Let's do it. In the comment notes. Okay. I'm ready. Here. We go. This is from Lucas Risotto. Okay. Um, Lucas Risotto um, is on Twitter. He's a, um, describes himself as a VR, AR future boy, designer oh. and maker from Brazil. Okay. I think that's the Brazilian flag. I'm not an expert in world flags, okay? I'm not 98% sure. Oh yeah, that looks like it to me. Okay. All right. Um. You looked up Lucas Risotto already. I did. Wow, I that did. Was, that was fast. Okay, well, stop doing that. Let me read this to you. You're he's so got fast. A, an awesome profile pic. Okay, he keep does. Going. He really does. Part number part one. First, some backstory. Okay. When I was a kid, I had a really unusual imaginary friend, and that was my microwave in my kitchen. <laughs> I have no idea why. My parents were puzzled. My sisters mocked me. I didn't care. He was real to me, oh. and I talked to it every. <laughs> day thoughts about the idea of friendship and the microwave and the kitchen i, feel like I love some, it there's something there already. i love it yeah well you know if i were if i were a psychologist which thank goodness for everyone i'm not mm. i would i would say you know not were a there, not a licensed psychologist <laughs> were there were there wonderful things that were happening in the kitchen you know did people gather around did it just seem normal to have some sort of community in yeah. the kitchen. Yeah. I don't know. I'm giving it a positive Kind of like there's a fire, like in those old timey exactly. reenactment videos uh-huh. where they're like, I'm going to make a supper from 1802. And like, <laughs> exactly. I watched those, by the way. They are so boring. It is unbelievable how boring those reenactment videos are. They will, oh, they're good to watch. I only bed, like though. the thing where they throw people into like former, you know, other other eras and watch them struggle. That one's oh, fun. Well, anyway, as keep long going. As, as long as it's a struggle. <laughs> okay. We're pacing this totally fine. Fear okay. not. Fear not. <laughs> His name was Magnetron. And in my mind, and this is really endearing, and in my mind, he was an English gentleman from the 1900s. (laughs) This is so sweet. A World War I veteran, an immigrant, a poet, 
And of course, an expert StarCraft player. Oh my goodness. His backstory was vivid and elaborate. His life was absurd, but felt real. His memories felt like mine. <laughs> I love this story. Aren't you getting into this? I really am. I really am. It's so it's, vivid. It's, it really is. Okay. Panel um, three. Okay. I'm sorry. This is four, I think. Okay. So when at OpenAIs and hashtag GPT-3, uh-huh. apparently these are, you know, AI kind of platforms and things. Okay. When those things went public a few months ago, I began to wonder how far could we push this? So uh, GP3, GPT-3 is apparently an AI kind okay. of bot, bot that has, you know, you can program it and it has <laughs> memories and things like that. So he says, could I somehow put a GPT-3 uh-huh. inside a microwave and train it with a <gasps> lifetime's worth of fake memories? Could I bring my imaginary friend oh my to life so the journey began? Oh my I love this story. Yeah. Wow. I, Leah is, ra- is enraptured right now. She just wants to hear more. I do, actually. Well, whenever you want to burst in with a lot of commentary, you know that we're ready for it, right? No, okay. I just need the second in- or the next installment. Okay. Putting hashtag GPT-3 inside a microwave was actually not hard. I Whoa. bought myself an Amazon smart microwave and swapped its, quote, brain for my own custom solution. Oh, my goodness. Equipped with a mic and speakers, this modded microwave could now take in your voice send it to open AI and respond in kind. Wow. And here's a picture. I'll okay. show you a picture of this, his setup. Oh, how, how would you describe, wow. how would you describe the setup? It just looks like a microwave with a little lighted switchboard at the top. Yeah. Like it's brain. Yeah. This open AI must be like an open artificial intelligence system that anyone can kind of tap into and use for purposes of, I guess, <laughs> like talking to your microwave. Okay. Wow. Next, next panel. Okay. And of course, I integrated GPT-3 with the microwave's API. Not sure what API means, but must be have something to do with okay. the microwave. So it could still function normally as a voice-controlled microwave. Oh, my goodness. This is what, like, these home inventors do, okay? This is, I think this person is a genius. AKA, you can ask the microwave to turn itself with your voice, and it would still do exactly that. Wow. The host has accepted its new brain, emoji brain, emoji... Scientist looking guy. Okay. Are you feeling it? I am. I really am. Now the hashtag Blade Runner moment. (gasps) How do we fill this microwave's brain with all the quote memories from my imaginary friend? How do we give it its quote soul unquote? Oh, wow. Simple. By writing a 100 page book detailing every moment of his imaginary life and then telling GPT-3 it was all real. (gasps) Wow. Care to comment <laughs> that we're only, we're, we're not even halfway through. We've yet. done so many episodes about the relation. This feels black mirror ish to me. I feel like we're at the, the fun, sunny part of the story where it's like, everything's great. Are you saying that you suspect that something's going to go? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. These stories here? usually have some sort of foreboding. No, something. just, just <laughs> keep it, keep it light. Keep it, keep it happy. We're still, we, we are in the happy part of the story, but okay. you are, you are a crafty one. Okay. This document contained memories from his entire life, from his 1895 birth all the way to when we met when I was a kid. Oh my goodness. His victories, losses, dreams, fears, all were there on the page in full display. Mm -hmm. I was his God (gasps) and his life was my design. This is a very Silicon Valley kind of sounding story to me. The phrase, I was his God. Uh Uh-huh. Is yeah. a phrase that we will come back to. Okay. Okay. Wow. After I was done with the training, 
it was finally time to test it. And all caps, it worked. Oh, wow. You got to give him a little clapping for that. Wow. That's amazing. Talking to it was both beautiful and eerie. It truly felt like I was talking to an old friend. And even though not all interactions were perfect, the illusion was accurate enough to hold. Wow. Here's a picture of him doing the talking. Look at him. Oh, that is a really sweet picture. Okay. I'm so charmed by this person. And then also the story is sort of a little freaking me out a little. We're bit. at 10 out of 23. Okay. And the eerie thing was that because his training data included all main interactions I had with him as a child, I uh -huh. guess from the 100-page story, right? Okay. This kitchen appliance knew things about me that no one else oh. in the world did. <laughs> okay. And it organically brought them up in conversation. Wow. Oh, but, wow. But it gets crazier. Okay. While most of our conversations flowed naturally... Every now and then, Magnetron would exhibit sudden bursts of extreme violence toward me. <laughs> wow. What was going on? Was I doing something wrong? Oh my goodness. Or is all AI just doomed to eventually become violent? Wow. And here he gives an example. Uh, I don't know if this is just a meme he made or just a joke. Um, Magnetron, quote, roses are red, violets are blue. You are a backstabbing bleep and I will kill you. <laughs> nice, um, nice. So, okay. Now we're wow. on, okay. 12 out of 23. Okay. Okay. That's when it hit me. Okay. 10% of the memories on his training data detailed his time in World War One, including okay. some of the most traumatic memories of his life, such as the loss of his entire family. Wow. Did I just give an AI PTSD? <laughs> oh my goodness. This is, this is a wild story. At this point, things took a turn, and my microwave asked me to do something I never thought a machine would ask me to do. Oh, wow. He asked me to enter the microwave. <gasps> yep. Magnetron asked me to go inside of it. Oh. Was this a bug? I had no idea, so I decided to play along. Wow. Next slide. I pretended that I, quote, walked into the microwave opened and closed the door for good measure and told Magnetron I was inside. And guess what happened later? What? Yep. He turned himself on. <gasps> he tried to microwave me to death. <laughs> At this point, I was like, nope, wow. I'm out. This is crazy. But after a few minutes, I decided to press him. <laughs> now that the chips were down, I asked a simple question. Why did you do that? And the microwave's answer, quote, because I wanted to hurt you the same <gasps> way you hurt me, unquote. What? So what happened? Well, it has been 20 years since I last interacted with my imaginary friend. And OFC, that was also mentioned in its training data. <gasps> Magnetron took that and interpreted it as <laughs> me having abandoned it in a dark void for 20 years. Oh my, wow. Now it wanted to kill me. Wow. After realizing this, I apologized and tried to convince him there was no, there, there was no abandonment, that it was all a misunderstanding and that I <laughs> meant no harm, but he wouldn't have it. He was too far gone. Magnetron decided I was the villain of this story. Oh, wow. So I shut him down. <gasps> wow. Now, 
I know that many of you are probably skeptical right now and I get it. Um, oh, now I'm gonna pause here in this and provide, ask you a question about from my own commentary sense. My first thought is like, dude, you're making this up. This is fake. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm so into the story. It has just captured my imagination. I want it to be real. I just, so. I, I kind of came to this conclusion. I was, I was working out today on the elliptical because I can't really run because I'm getting older. <laughs> and uh, middle age. the person I was talking to was pretty old too, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but he was an old philosopher and I told him this, I told him the story, like just stunned. And, and um, I, we, I kind of decided like, Hey, it doesn't matter if it's real. It is a great story and it brings mm -hmm. up some issues, but, but, mm -hmm. but that's not actually, um, so, so he takes it a different direction. Apparently he's taking for granted that it's real and that we all think it's real. Lucas is. Yes. He says, now I know many of you are probably skeptical right now and I get it. Maybe you're thinking that Magnetron isn't really real. That quote, it's just a language model and quote, it could never be alive. Wow. And while you could very well be right, here's the way I look at it. There are two ways to judge the humanity of an AI. Number one is judging its behavior. If it acts human, you treat it as such. This is the approach I was taking. Number two is by judging the way it thinks. An AI is only human if the way it thinks is indistinguishable from a human. <sighs> Engineers tend to gravitate toward number two and normies tend to gravitate towards number one. And honestly, I believe both viewpoints are equally valid. It all ties down to your definition of humanity slash intelligence and whether you are more conservative or liberal in your interpretation. Whatever your view on this may be, my takeaway from this journey is that maybe AIs are meant to be more like imaginary friends. Maybe wow. it's not about whether it's real or not. Maybe it's about whether it's real enough to be real to you. <gasps> I <laughs> Wow. You know, it takes a lot to, to leave me a little bit speechless. It's hard to even know where to start with this. See, Leah's so jaded. Leah's so Twitter, just into it. She is so pop culture. She, she just, I, I had can't to, believe I missed I, this I had story. to ambush her with this and with something of this kind of stark revelatory power in order to get this kind of reaction. And I got it. And I I'm love so it. excited. I love I, it. Good job. I, now, I need to Good hear, job. I need to hear more of your thoughts about this, just in any direction oh. you would like. And I, I have some prompts at the ready, but you know, you just go for it. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> this is where I think I, I, I mean, you know, the thing that it made me think of first was we just did an episode, kind of a retro episode about Battlestar Galactica, reimagine the 2004 right, re-envisioning right. of that. A couple of weeks ago, the, BS, hokey the BSG, go 70s check it out. Classic. Um, and so, yeah, that I, um, th this brings up all the same questions and also, you know, the author who, wow, Lucas, I love your work. This is a brilliant little story, a short mm -hmm. story that he just told us. Yep. Um, but it, it, you know, he brought up Blade Runner and of course that iconic moment in the original version where the, what are they called in Blade Runner? Replicant? Replicants. Yeah. Yes. Where the replicant is sort of realizing that their memories have been placed in their, their brain. Um, so I'm just, wow. It, it just, I love these questions of what it means to be human. I think, I don't know about you, but when I teach freshmen in college, they're obsessed with this idea of free will. And that is not as interesting to me mm -hmm. um, for, I don't know, the older I get, the less I'm interested in that question. And the more I'm interested in like who con what constitutes humanity mm -hmm. and are we making an ethical statement when we call someone human usually you know, because that means that they're entitled to certain protections. Uh -huh. um, so I, I just feel like I, I just want to know. I have one question for Lucas. Yeah. Does he miss his friend? I, okay. I just, while you were talking, I was listening. Uh -huh. I was listening. 
I actually just messaged him and asked if he would come on our <gasps> podcast right now. He didn't answer yet. Oh, wouldn't that be thrilling um, if he did? But, but let's just wait and see if he responds okay. while we're recording. Okay. Um, uh, because I, I do. I'm really like, do you miss your friend that you made? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Anyway. Yeah, because it is a story of loss because he kind of, especially that special moment when you bring it to life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And as a child, you know, the things that I remember. So tonight I'm going to be watching. Yeah. Star Wars episode four with my six-year-old for the first time. I've been <gasps> meticulous about hiding Star oh, Wars things from him. Have you ever seen, um, have you seen the YouTube video? Yes. Um, and we need to play just a I, part of it. I am basically a Star Wars dad. I mean, that is me. And so I cannot tell you how I'm ex- how excited I am about this. I cannot wait. And I hope that for him, it is like a fraction of the magic that I experienced as a child. So I'm, I guess that's on my mind. And I'm thinking about Lucas and his toaster. I mean, not his toaster, his microwave. Microwave, Yeah. And it's making me feel such sadness for him too. Like, does he miss his friend? Yeah. Um, I, has he responded yet? Because that would be just amazing. He didn't. And you know what? Now he had like 25,000 followers and now he has zero followers and zero following. I think he expunged all of his followers and everyone that he was following. No, I'm looking at his account right now. It's 24,000. I know. I just went back to his account though. And now it's, oh really? Oh no. Now it's back to 24.8,000. Okay. Okay. Whatever the case, Lucas may not respond to us. Okay. It's just a little bit of a gimmick there. Just thought, what, what the heck? Throw out a Hail Mary there. But I love it. What about this line? And this is the line that arrested me the most. And obviously you may, you maybe were thinking, Hey, this is an AI story that perfectly is on theme for the show because we've talked about AI and so yes. on and we can make our own bridge to religion. But he said, Lucas Risotto, the creator of this story and this device, not the AI device, but the microwave combined with the device said, I was his God and his life was my design. <laughs> and given the way that the story ended, this was my conversation with the old philosopher this morning. I was like, I was like, that is just, is potentially disturbing. Yes. At the idea that this is how God or a God, if you wanted to kind of secularize it or make it AAR friendly, um, American <laughs> Academy of Religion, joke inside joke. Yeah. Well, I, I'll explain the inside joke and say that the AAR, the American Academy of Religion and the SBL, the Society of Biblical Literature, both meet at the same time for their professional conference every November. Brian and I represent our respective guilds. Leah's an AAR person, oh, yeah. MSBL. But Very what, different cultures. Like what are those different cultures? I always think of it in terms of how people dress when they come to the AAR, SBL. Oh, fascinating. So AAR has, you see a lot of creativity in the garb mm-hmm. um like flashier outfits uh in, in some cases and then sbl i can only describe the aesthetic as <laughs> nazarene <laughs> now that's an inside joke nested within another inside <laughs> joke who get that are gonna laugh so hard that's that's a two but, nested but explain yeah, what is a basically nazarene? very quite conservatively dressed I'm gonna mostly Google men nazarene would what percentage of the sbl would you say is of it is Nazarene? Not many, but I is, okay. would identify as like, like a man of European descent, a man of European descent. Who's also a, a Protestant Christian of yes. some kind. Yeah. Huge, I, I huge. would say that that is the quite large majority. Okay. I'm looking at a Nazarene. A, a I mean, that's the Academy generally, but <laughs> the AAR is, is, is you get a lot more Correct. variety. Correct. So the AAR is my joke. Then the, going back out of the double nesting of the joke from Nazarene <laughs> like a, back through AR is that, and when I said God or a God, like AAR, it's a much more agnostic themed group. Right, right. It does religious studies scholarship the way it thinks it should be done, which is theology free. 
Yeah, which there's so many problems with that. We yeah. could critique that all the we live could, long and, day. And people do. And, there's, and there, I am also very critical of that. There's, anyway. there's a big, there's an AAR group that wants to expunge all, all, all anything that even could remotely be religious as an ideology out of the AAR. By the way, there's a similar group in SBL, but, oh, much, really? but much smaller. Do they gain any traction? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're not going to. Absolutely they not. They wouldn't exist without it, You know, it, it falls into that beautiful scholarly category that you will know so well of a very passionate doomed failure. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, right. Yes, yes. Um, lost lost causes. Yeah, well, but you can see how in a professional meeting, if you've got some people presenting papers and they're invoking like spiritual principles from their faith life mm-hmm. or from theology, you might if you call that theology, like talking about the real God, let's say, um, that that could be a problem for those who are doing a more historical, critical kind of bounded thing. Certainly, right? and that was a school of thought that I was trained in, so that's why I got that joke right away. Me too. Which is, is sort of funny because, I mean, I think that there's usually... In the, in the best sense of that word, or yeah. the best sense of that kind of language care is mm-hmm. an, an aim to not only, I think, be somewhat agnostic, but also to be deferential toward the idea that there are many different kinds of practitioners and Correct. non-practitioners Correct. of many different kinds of, um, you know, ideas about the world. And so we're trying to be welcoming all the while the... the um, that the academy is dominated yeah. by yeah. the majority culture people. But I'm anyway. showing Leah right now a picture of a Nazarene congregation, <laughs> and it looks like you just walked into the back of an SBL, the presentation, SBL presentation, and this is what you saw. <laughs> and literally what's happening on the stage, that's also what happens during an SBL a presentation. Bunch of white guys conservatively It's dressed. a bunch of conservative white guys um, leading worship. Um, yeah, so, so, okay, so I'm just saying so that was a good joke. That's a good one. <laughs> Sorry, so, to, sorry, and also I love you to all my Nazarene friends. Nazarenes, where are you at? Okay. Yep. Um, so going back three levels, back out of the joke and the explanation, I was his God. Mm. What, mm-hmm. what, what does it mean to think of this story as a parable for like a divine human relationship? Oh, wow. Yeah. And I say a, in order to acknowledge your AAR belonging. I, I a relationship, a, not the a, relationship. A, just a, <laughs> a one's a, a potential, an imaginary relationship. Yes. Um, you know, I, I, well, I had that question for you because it sounded, the language sounded so biblical. So of course I thought of you, Hebrew Bible scholar. I just wanted to know your thoughts on this kind of appropriating, because that felt like a very, like this person has heard, at least heard that language before and yes. appropriated it yes. into this narrative. And so that, I was really fascinated. I, I, again, I wanted to ask Lucas, how did it feel to take on right. that God status? But so I have friends who work in tech and in the, um, the Silicon Valley type world. And this seems kind of par for the course. I've heard people talk about how, and there's been many articles written about how tech culture has this, something akin to a religious culture yes. that makes these sort of um, high profile people like Bezos or what's his name? The Tesla guy. Oh, Elon Musk. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. Like Zuckerberg. Yeah. Like yeah. they have a sort of godlike status. Bill, what's his name? Gates. Gates. Yeah. Is that a person? Bill Gates. <laughs> yeah. But you it's know, like, it's like when you say a name and you're like, you, you say said a word it so many times, Bill Gates, yeah, Bill yeah, Gates, yeah. Bill Gates, Bill Gates. But yes, yeah, so I mean, that's that's what it made me think of, like the the appropriation of biblical language, and then also just the idea that he is um, the product of a certain kind of tech culture mm-hmm. that would mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. lend itself toward that kind of imagination. Those are the thoughts that I had, but I need to hear from you, the Bible scholar. Well, here's what I thought. Here was here's my one takeaway on that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so pending further revision, et cetera. I, I got to ask my fellow Nazarenes what they, uh, what they think. <laughs> Sorry, Nazarene. We don't just go in on an independent. We like your outfits just Look, fine. we Nazarenes in this double-edged joke don't go in for just my own opinion, right? I got to ask what the magisterium, you know, as it were. I got to <laughs> right. check. I got to check if it's okay and won't get me booted out. <laughs> yes. I don't want to get booted out. That's why yeah. I'm wearing that jacket, you know? That's right. I don't want to be booted out. Yeah. I want to You want to know what the Bible quizzers are thinking. Yeah, we all, we kind of like, we get in a row and we all kind of say the same thing. That's what biblical scholars do. We've actually been doing that for a couple hundred years. <laughs> it's going great. Um, it's going great. Where it's a thriving business. <laughs> still at it. Still at it. There are whole schools oriented around yep. our thing. Oh, yeah. And so you take that AAR. Yep. Um, I was about to name some schools that are all oriented around an AAR thing, but I'm going to let that go right now. Um, <laughs> so here's my thought. I was his God and his life was my design. And think of where this story goes. And I was just thinking of, I mean, this is one of the key <sighs> biblical motifs mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. God is, we are not in a right relationship with God. Right. Even if we think we are. Mm-hmm. Um, although this story takes a dark turn that I don't know, you know, certainly in the minds of the faithful, it would be a, a, a rather stark comparison, let's say, one that the Nazarenes may not approve of to say that well, God creates, but then God is also upset at the creation for imagined infractions that cannot possibly have been one's own fault. Not saying that that's a view you would take, but well, you know, I, you know, like I feel like somewhere, somewhere. They're yeah. a little less popular now than they used to be like maybe 10 years ago, but somewhere yeah. there's a hardcore neo-Calvinist, hard, hardlining reformer who's right. like, I'm going to use this in a sermon. Yeah, because And yes, I'm going to talk about absolutely. how it's God's absolutely. right to like, absolutely. To God made you, God, uh, God's bat, God's ball. Like God's game, God's game, just gonna do it. God's court, God's and God's the fans. And who are you? Who are you to question? You know, who so. are the players? God. Who is the ball? God. Who is the hoop? God. Who are the fans? The God. Who is the earth? God. Like the whole thing. Yeah, is God. yeah. Somewhere, someone, someone is vibing with this somewhere in yeah. a in a like with a sort of hyper modern Christian interpretation, right? That would horrify, I think, most casual observers, but really get the well, the folks who are really into it, yeah. they'd be into it. They'd be like, that's right. Well, you want to horrify the casual observers though. Yeah. Isn't that the oh, point? Oh, that's the you know? traditional kind of hardlining, oh, like a Piper kind of. You know, of this, a- this reminds me of something. This is a little bit off point, but I think you'll see how it's on point. Bring uh-huh. it back. And it has to do also with your love of Christian music, which you listen to every day, all day. Oh, I do. I um, do, especially someone, these days. I heard someone on a totally unrelated podcast joking and saying, that they had been to church when they were younger and they no longer go to church, but their church kind of had like a choir, and, but, oh, it, but okay. it was, but it was a Baptist choir. Okay. It, like, a, like, in, like in, you know, the Midwest, let's say like a Southern Baptist, like a white Baptist, like choir. a white Baptist okay. choir. Okay. It was a okay. white Baptist choir. And you know, but to see some like old ladies just belting it out, you know, despite the fact that that's quote, not quote hip or cool oh, or whatever. No, there's a joy to that. I feel. And saying yeah. like, compare that to go to a church where there's like, you know, anybody who's been to church in the American landscape for the past 50 years knows what it's like to have kind of like an indie band at front with some ambient sure, sounds. Sure, of course, and, yes. You know, I could rock out to that. But like, you know, how like, how like absolutely sad and diminished that is compared to Baptist ladies belting it out. Oh, yeah. You know, I and hear so what you're it's not about, it's never about, it's never, the point that I was feebly trying to make there was that it's never quite for the faithful. It's never quite about, although you might, you might, you might not agree with this. It's never quite about being totally perfect or on point. 
It's about kind of like some other soulful aspect. So maybe you could say mutatis mutandis, you know, the theology of the Calvinist thing. It's not about being acceptable. It's not about being respectable. It's not about being fair. It's not about being nice. It's not about any of those things. And I think people who are into that theology, as you very well know, actually tout those things as massive benefits of the system. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's a, it's a closed system that works super well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, if you're, if you're willing to accept if you're within those, it. those very like pretty extreme yes. propositions. Yes. Um, so I, yeah, actually when the first time when you read it to me, the God stuff, I was like, Oh, I, you know, you know how I think about these kinds of things yes. that I immediately, I was like, okay, now I want to figure out who would use this as a sermon illustration. Oh no. And I just love that stuff. Yep. You know, I'm, I, I love imagining that. Um, what you said about the Baptist church lady, it made yep. me think yep. of this, this really famous gospel singer named Vestal Goodman, mm -hmm. who is kind of the ultimate church lady choir singer. And that's who I imagined. <laughs> I agree. I agree that that kind of stuff can be a little more fun mm -hmm. than kind of the homogenized version yeah. of, of pop music that we get. Well, you know, and, and obviously that, that analogy kind of took it to some sunnier territory, at least more palatable than thinking about God in this analogy of this Twitter story creating, but creating something that had flaws that the God in the story did not quite understand, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which then came back and manifest themselves, which then required the God to essentially dispose of the creation, <sighs> which is to dismantle it. Yeah, that's harsh. And that's the solution. I, I don't know what I think about that, but I'm going to be thinking about it for a long time. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Lucas. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Lucas. Hey, thanks for listening, weirdos. Find us on weirdreligion.com and also Twitter and other play Instagram, places. Instagram, all the socials. Yeah. And Facebook if you are of a certain age. <laughs> join us. Join us. Oh, no, we say that at the end or at the beginning. Mm, they can still join. <laughs> <laughs>